This is your Monday edition of Strip Sports Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. So much to get to today. Hold Steady frontman Craig Finn will join me in just a few minutes to talk sports, to talk new music, to talk writing, to talk Randy Moss mooning the crowd at Lambeau Field. Yes, all of those things are in play in just a few minutes. But first, what did I miss? Uh, Well, it's a Monday, which means you probably missed a lot over the weekend if you weren't watching sports. And here's the thing. I tell my kids, especially my oldest, my oldest daughter is six, almost seven. I have three kids, a four-year-old and a one-year-old also. And especially to the the six, almost seven-year-old, when when she makes a mistake or when something goes wrong, I say, you know, listen, I don't expect you to be perfect. Like, nobody should expect anybody to be perfect. What I do hope, though, is that you will learn from your mistakes that you will that you will grow and then get better and next time you'll make a better decision or have a different outcome. And I think that applies to sports this weekend. So let's run let's use that as a backdrop for a few things that happened this weekend. First, Sunday, Wolves Raptors in Tampa, of course, because that's why wouldn't they play uh, a Toronto basketball game in Tampa? Wolves have a double digit lead in the fourth quarter. It's going away um, as it often does. Looks like they've stabilized things, but then they get to crunch time and things are going haywire. Um, you know, they, they have a chance to ice the game, but then there's turnover. Then they have another chance to ice the game. There's another turnover when Malik Beasley steps out of bounds. Toronto has the ball down only two points. They go for the tie. Pascal Siakam drives down the middle. The Wolves defended reasonably well. Um, rookie Jaden McDaniels is on him and and at least influences his shot. He still gets a really good look. It spins out, though. And here's the part where I feel like they learned something. Jared Vanderbilt grabs the rebound. Immediately, a timeout is called because Jared Vanderbilt is a bad free-throw shooter. A couple weeks ago, what, two, three weeks ago, same exact thing happens. Jared Vanderbilt gets a rebound when the Wolves are up too late. He takes a couple dribbles. He gets fouled. He goes to the free-throw line. Misses both free throws. Orlando gets the rebound off the second miss. Dribbles down. Three-pointer at the buzzer. Wolves lose by one. In this case, they learned. They called a timeout immediately. They inbound it. McLaughlin, a much better free throw shooter, goes to the line, makes both of them. Game over. 116-112 is your final. So Timberwolves at 7-20 and are not good. They seem to be getting a little bit better, but... At least for a night, they learned from their mistakes, and in the micro, that is all you can ask for. Who else is learning? Well, how about Gophers men's hockey? I had Randy Johnson on Friday's show talking a little bit about their midseason slump, you know, 5-5 five and five after starting 10-0. and oh. um, A lot of what he said was they were you know, maybe a little too fancy, maybe they needed to get back to the basics. Well, it helped playing... You know, not a bad team, but slightly diminished competition in Notre Dame this weekend. But 3-0, 3-0, back-to-back shutouts for Jack LaFontaine, their goalie. A much more simple game, it looked like, at least from the parts I watched and was able to watch. So learning there as well to uh, to get back to the basics and get back on the winning side of, of the hockey ledger. One more team that looks like it's on the upswing. Gopher women's basketball beat Wisconsin on Sunday. They have now won five of their last seven games. They are 6-8 and eight in the Big Ten after a really, really tough start to this season. 
um, in which they were, I believe, one and six at one point. So to get to six and eight um, and rally to that, get, getting the 68-63 win over Wisconsin shows a measure of improvement. I think the schedule has has certainly eased up for the Gophers, but Lindsey Whalen's team, if you're not going to be great, if you're not going to have you know one of those just out of the gates, you know you have a good team season, much more preferable to do it this way where you are improving along the way where you see where the potential is for future seasons. And the Gophers men's basketball team, K, okay, uh, can't really fit this one into the narrative. They lose 72-59 uh, at Maryland. That is their seventh road loss of the season to zero victories only one of those games was even really competitive or a single digit loss that was at Rutgers uh, not too long ago so Gophers still have to figure out how to win on the road I, I don't know what the numbers are on this if a team has ever made the NCAA tournament without winning a road game I'm sure it's possible that a major conference team or, you know, someone who, you know, made a run in a conference tournament made it to the tournament or the NCAA tournament without winning a road game. But I'd say it's exceedingly rare. they got to figure this out. They've got another chance at it Wednesday at Indiana. We'll see if they can finally uh, change, you know, change that hole uh, on their resume and, and, and get, a, get an actual road win. Because right now, the strongest piece of their road resume is almost won at Rutgers. I'm Nyla Jean Myers, Senior Assistant Sports Editor at the Star Tribune. Thank you for listening to Strip Sports Daily Delivery. This work is made possible by our Star Tribune subscribers. For unlimited access to the articles mentioned in this podcast and our coverage of Minnesota sports from pros to preps, go to startribune.com slash subscribe. It's nice to hit the taverns with familiar companions. I kind of like it when she's laughing at me. You just heard a little bit from Spices. It's a new song by The Hold Steady. Their new CD, we call it CDs these days, I hope still, record, whatever. Their new release, Open Door Policy, comes out Friday this week. I am ecstatic to be joined right now by Craig Finn, frontman of The Hold Steady. Um, Long time, one of my favorite musicians going back to Lifter Polar Days in Minneapolis 20 years ago. Craig, that sounds like a long time ago, 25 years ago. Yeah. Um, Craig, welcome to the show, and how are you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Excited yeah. to have a new release out. Uh, I would say we don't really call it CD anymore. No. Um, that's that's going back to the Lifter Polar Days it's, itself. Um, I'm dating myself, am I not? Uh, but, you know, the track you played, Spices, is actually for the whole steady, maybe... I think as a song, it might be the closest to a lifter puller style song that we've ever done. So uh, that was, that's kind of a throwback on its own. But I'm really excited. We've got a new record coming out, and um, it's it's um, something to look forward to as we uh, you know hang out at home. Maybe that's why I picked that one because it reminded me of the old days. I really dig that song though. Um, and congrats on the new the new release. Um, yeah. How did, how did that all come together? Cause I know you've been, you know, you've, you've been, you've been dabbling in a lot of different projects. How did, how did open door policy come together? Well, open door policy, like a lot of things was, uh, dates back to 2019. Um, we did, you know, we, we've been playing, um, you know, some, not as much as maybe we used to, but the whole study does about, I don't know, 25 or 30 shows a year. And, uh, we found we recorded it in two sessions in 2019 and we're pretty much done with it um, that year. Um, maybe had a couple little things to do. And 
we were planning on when, when should we release it? You know, you always want to put it out around shows. And then shows became sort of an impossibility. And uh, we, so we, you know, we kind of slowed down a little bit, waiting, thinking maybe, oh, maybe in the fall, you know. Um, but of course, we still aren't playing shows live in person anyway. So we decided we better just go ahead and put it out. And um, I think it's really exciting. It's a, it's the first X true album we've made as a six piece. We now have sort of what we call the super steady uh, for a while. Franz was left the band. He came back in 2016. We've done a lot of singles and we even compiled the singles into an album in 2019 called thrashing through the passion. But this is the first, Hold Steady album of the, what I kind of think of as Hold Steady 3.0. Hold Steady 3.0, man. If I'm not feeling old already, having a third iteration <laughs> of the Hold Steady, maybe you too. What, what uh, if you're a fan of the Hold Steady uh, as a listener, what, what, uh, what does this new release bring to the table? What are some of the hallmarks of it that, that you want to listen to? Well, I think though, you know, it's a true album. And I think we've always, uh, a lot of our releases have been albums in the sense that they're sort of, um, refer back on each other and and you know uh, we are old enough that we still structure things like an album um, so you know uh, it's not every song when you have when you're releasing every song as a single you're kind of swinging for the fences to use a baseball metaphor on every song but you're never going to make that weird song at the end or whatever and I think in an album you do that and you you know you, you try to tell if not a linear story, but maybe explore some themes over the whole arc of it. And uh, so I think, you know, I think we've always, our, our best successes uh, have been like, you know, album length releases. So I think it was fun to return to that kind of format. You have always been a storyteller in the songs uh, that you write. How, how, where does, where does that come from specifically? Or how do you, how do you come up with the, the material? You know, some of it probably drawn from experience and some of it completely made up, I would hope. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of it's made up. Um, you know, I mean, I, I actually, um, the, Jeff Tweedy from Wilco wrote a book a while back, a couple of years ago. And it was, he, what he said about creativity is something I, I found myself very much agreeing with that you kind of have to take things in and you kind of almost, you know, as you get older, you get busy, with whatever, you kind of have to make an appointment to take things in. And that can be literature, you know, reading, um, doesn't have to be fine literature, great literature, it can be whatever, uh, film, um, TV in this day and age, which is, you know, sort of we're in peak TV, but also just walking, walking around. I mean, you know, I live in New York, you can, you can see a lot by just going outside and, um, you know, seeing what happens in an hour on the sidewalks. So I think taking all that stuff in and creating your own creating your own stories. But to be honest, reading is probably the biggest one. I've always been a great, like I love reading fiction and that those stories help me think of my own stories. That's a good point. I feel like I, when I find myself immersed in a good book or I'm kind of in a phase where I'm reading a lot or listening to audiobooks, as it were right now, because that's how I consume a lot of what I do right now, that that's when I'm in a better creative space. Like you need to take in good you got to get get that kind of kind of creating that headspace to allow yourself to to create in that way. Yeah, you know, um, it's been suggested that reading fiction is kind of a meditation because you kind of go into another world and take on you know the other characters' problems, maybe leave yours behind. And I think to me that's how it works. You know, I can really go somewhere with a book that I can't even with a film or TV or whatever. With a with a really good book, I can go all the way there. Awesome. Well, I'm looking forward to uh, to diving into uh, the the new release and uh, you know getting to know it even better. One that I know 
particularly well uh separation sunday kind of funny we you know we had a little twitter back and forth maybe a month ago even before this podcast started about i think it started with me tweeting something about randy moss and the the playoff game against the packers after the 2004 season where he mooned the crowd and you you jumped in and said okay i'm not even going to spoil it but you tell me about Tell me about your relationship to Randy Moss mooning the the fans at Lambeau Field and how that connects to Separation Sunday. One perhaps perhaps your most one of your most iconic works. Yeah, one one I think the our Twitter exchange was that you said it was the 15th year anniversary. Yeah, it's 15, that. 16 years, something like that. Yeah. And I and I said, no, I think it's 16 yes. because I remember making Separation Sunday. And uh, you know, we were uh recording it in lower Manhattan. And there was a bar, I don't think it's there anymore. It's called South. They had particularly good cheeseburgers. Mm. And we were going there uh, on our breaks. And I remember um, that game against the Packers going up there. And um, we have, you know, in the whole study, we have some uh, two Wisconsin guys too. So mm. they aren't particularly huge football fans, but, you know, there is cold civility during the, uh, <laughs> during the, the week. And, uh, and uh, certainly in the playoffs. So we were watching, we were excited to watch that. And I remember sitting at the bar and, uh, and watching that and just thinking, oh my God. And then the, you know, the sort of weird indignation by uh, <laughs> Joe Buck, Joe Buck. Was, you know, was just act. over the top. Um, those are really fun. You know, I love Randy Moss. He might be my favorite Viking ever. He probably is. I mean, those are so fun years. Um, I hope we can get back to to, you know, <laughs> to that place, <laughs> to that Ugh. place of happiness and, and heartbreak, let's be honest. Um, but yeah, that's definitely um, something I'll always remember about uh, making that record and, but, uh, you know, a, a memory that, that's attached to it for me. That's hilarious. Do you remember, were you in the midst of any particular song that you were recording or was just the whole thing or just the whole memory at that point? I can't remember, but it's funny, you know, um, I sort of will remember uh, sort of uh, hold steady milestones from, uh, sports stuff. Cause, um, I also remember making heaven is whenever, and that was in the fall and game one sixty three oh, yeah. um, came in that, uh, wait, was that? Yeah, that was game one, one sixty three. That was in 2009. Is that, yeah. That so the, Alexi Casilla, right. Yeah. Um, yep. and then, uh, I actually, we were up, recording in upstate New York and I actually left to go to, um, the first playoff game against the Yankees. I went back down. Oh, to the wow. City. Yeah. My friend um, and a lawyer, good friend, George Regis, made a bit of an error, bought counterfeit tickets. Oh, no. Um, and I will tell you, going into Yankee Stadium with counterfeit tickets, you know, they, they scan the UPC. The, the noise it makes is very much like family feud, like, <laughs> uh, and everyone looks, and the guy's like, I'm sorry, where'd you get these tickets? So, but here's the here's the secret is that Yankee fans, they you know they can't be bothered for a game one, okay. especially against the ah, Twins. Right, they're like, yeah, yeah we, we got we scalp, wait till the world wait till the World Series, right? Yeah, we cross the street and scalp tickets pretty easy and got mm-hmm. in the stadium. So got to get the UPC dialed into the system. That's what you got to right. do. Yeah, there you go. Fall back there. Um, okay, so you are a big Minnesota sports fan. You already talked about Randy Moss. You're a Twins fan, kind of through and through. You wrote the, it was a Twins anthem you wrote a while ago. The, was it Don't Call Us Twinkies? I can't remember. Yeah. Um, let's, let's talk a little bit of Minnesota sports while, while we're here. Um, your faith in, faith in the future. Sorry, another callback there. What, what, if you are thinking about the Minnesota teams that we have right now and kind of their progression, who, who do you have the most faith in right now? Who, who do you like as a, 
potential, you know, champion or who are you excited about right now? Well, right now, I mean, let, let's take thinking about who's the next, who's the next Minnesota team to win a championship. Okay. I like of, that. Of, uh, and excluding the links, cause it's going to be them, you know, but, uh, <laughs> aside from um, the links, yes. Aside from the links, which who are, is not to, not to you no. know, discount them. Um, and, and I'd say just to the, you know, quote unquote, big four sports, we let's start with the Timberwolves, Timberwolves, you know, I'm, I'm not, I, I've actually, been watching the nets a lot this year because i am not uh i've never been a big nba guy uh the timberwolves started after i went to college so i I didn't grow up with it you know but here i mean obviously the the thing with the argument with them is that one player can really change um basketball team you know i mean you get lebron you get uh kevin durant you get someone steph curry you're suddenly built you know suddenly maybe halfway there and you can start to put a team so that's you know that's one consideration for the timberwolves the wild is interesting to me um, because I feel like um, Minnesota sometimes has to fight to um, appear a desirable place for certain free agents. And yeah, I, think, I get that. You know, we lose out to Miami and um, you know LA and, and New York and and Atlanta, th- places that yeah. um, certain we're not, people. We're not a big market. We don't have great weather. Like that's right, thing. exactly. And so, however we are a great hockey market. Uh, you know, I, I say we, um, Minnesota, you know, I could see a free agent, um, a really great, you know, great free agents very much, uh, finding Minnesota, you know, to be likable. I mean, sure. think about all the, all the Canadians, all the Swedes, all the, um, it's, it's a great landing place. So that's, that's in the plus for the wild Vikings. I worry are totally cursed. Um, <laughs> but you are not they, the only one. They, they feel like, they will, they will flirt with it most often. Right. You know, I feel like we'll get some more 12 and four seasons out of there, but to me, that one just in my heart feels the furthest away. Um, Just because I, I I don't believe in it. it, They've, they've hurt me. They've hurt me too many times. Yeah. Well think about it. Like they, everybody talks about the Super Bowls and how they lost the four Super Bowls. Like they haven't even been to the Super Bowl in 44 years. And they've had a lot of heartbreaking playoff games since then. Everyone, everyone says I, I, you know, they've been four times. I moved to Minnesota with my family short, shortly after the fourth. So since I've been in Minnesota, um, a Minnesotan, I have not, uh, not experienced a Super Bowl. And uh, there were years that, you know, obviously the Atlanta, the, the, the 2009 year uh, was, was just a, just a kick in the teeth. And so I don't know, I feel like that one I've let go of. Leads us to the twins. Um, yeah. Obviously small market team, but their only Minnesota team in my mind that overachieves time to time, you know, and um, look, I mean, it's hard to compete against, you know, the Dodgers and the Yankees in this, uh, in this era, but they, they, they put together teams with heart. And um, also they're my favorite of all. The, they of all they the make team. you, they make you want to believe. Yeah, they, yeah. And I, uh, I think they're going to do it. Um, I'm not saying they're doing it this year, um, but I'm saying that that's the next one of these four. The twins are the next one of the four. I could buy that. I've done various rankings over the years. And I feel like it changes, right? It, it, sure. it, some of it's flavor of the moment. Some of it is a team gets a new player and all of a sudden you're like, okay, you see how that impacts things. I mean, if, if you're talking about the four teams we've singled out, I think the Timberwolves are the furthest away mm-hmm. um, just 
by the nature of they've only been to the playoffs once since 2004. You got to get to the playoffs first, and you got to do a whole bunch of stuff to to get yeah. further than that. The Vikings have teased us so many times. You know, most recently 2017 when you thought, "Hey, the Super Bowl's here. Hey, they're a game away. Maybe this is the team of destiny." And then it wasn't. Um, but I can buy the Twins. I, I like. I think what you said about the Wild is correct in that they of the four, it, it feels the most frustrating that they haven't been able to maybe become better you know since their inception just because they do seem like the team you know they're playing in a a league with a a hard salary cap there's no inequity in terms of that you should be able to attract a certain caliber of free agent to this market but yeah twins seem like they're positioned best among those four right now with the roster they have and you know some of what they've got coming up yeah, I, I think, yeah. And uh, I will say that, you know, the Twins, um, Not I said probably not this year, which I, I guess I believe, but I was really impressed with their offseason. They're, um, you know, I was really happy to get Simmons. I think Hap, everyone seemed kind of... He's good. I think everyone seemed kind of uninspired about that, at least on social media. But I think he has the potential to pitch a lot of innings. And um, I was happy to see him. Yeah, I want one more pitcher. I think, uh, I think they need one. I think they're one short. Maybe that's not... That's not coming between now and opening day, but if, if they if they have a good start to the year and then you could say shove all in and go, you know, go go at the trade deadline and get one mm-hmm. one horse that you can ride into the postseason. If they got one more frontline pitcher, I'd be all in on 2020. Oh, uh, it, it seems like from the press conference the other day, Odorizzi is yeah. probably unlikely. Probably unlikely. And I don't know if he's the guy anyway. Like he's He's another good pitcher. I like Jake Odorizzi, but it, it was the, the bigger takeaway from that was that they're kind of done with the big moves for now, at least. They've done okay, the, yeah. the, the, the cruise thing, and yeah, Odorizzi's part of that, but that it's not just Odorizzi, probably no, it's, it's nobody else really, or maybe fringe guys at this point, but you know, they did the re-sign cruise. They got Simmons, like you said, he helps a ton with the fielding. You know, they signed Hap, and that's kind of it. And so they signed Column A for the bullpen. So they, they, it's not like they haven't done anything. And I think you can be happy with those moves, but I feel like if you're talking about really making a run at it, you're going to need one more pitcher eventually. Have they given you anything you've seen there, given any indication whether we'll be seeing um, any in-person baseball? I think we year? will. I think they're lear- I think they learned from the Saints last year, and now the Saints are obviously a AAA affiliate, which is really mm-hmm. fascinating. Now it's their affiliate. The Saints had, I think, 1,500 fans a game for – a handful of games towards the end of last season, even. And I think they learned from that. I think we're going to be a ways from like packing target field, but I think you're going to see, I don't know if by opening day, but you're going to see, I think sporadic attendance, especially as you know, the vaccine rollout keeps going and you kind of see that hopefully we see the numbers of the COVID numbers go down. I think, I think we'll see some of it this year at least. I hope so. That, yeah, that, I mean, that's, that's sort of the, um, like, you know, you have those discussions with your friends about what would you do, you know, think yeah. baseball in person, and then something as simple as like a beer on a bar stool, oh, uh, to man. me, uh, those two things like seem like, uh, very simple pleasures most years, but, uh, those are the two things I'm looking forward to. Those are two things I'm looking forward to. And one other thing I'm looking forward to is the new hold study release out Friday, um, open door policy, Craig Finn. Thank you a ton for joining me on the podcast today. You are welcome to join anytime you want to talk music, to talk sports, to talk literature, to talk whatever you want. And uh, I hope you have a, a great rest of the uh, winter and spring and that, uh, that we can all uh, get together soon and hang out. Sounds great. Thanks so much for having me. It's a lot of fun.
All right, take care, Craig. You know, I love that Craig took us down the path of which team is most likely to win a championship most, uh, you know, in the in the near future in, in Minnesota sports. I like that he acknowledged that it's almost certainly going to be the Lynx um, if we consider the big six pro sports teams in this market. If we narrow it to four, what have been the four traditional biggest, um, longest lasting leagues? Uh, I like where he, I like where his head's at. I think he he dissected it in an interesting way. And, and truth be told, I've done that list several times over the years, and it constantly changes. So, who knows who it will ultimately be? Uh, who will win a championship in our lifetimes? But thoroughly enjoyed that conversation from start to finish with Craig Finn, and I hope you did too. Hit me with a hot one. Okay, I've been hanging on to this hot take from a reader for a while now because I liked it, um, but I wanted to kind of get through the the hiring season, get through the Super Bowl before we before we tackled it. So here it is from uh, Bruce Wayne Newton's Apple. Great, uh, great Twitter handle, great Twitter moniker. Here's his hot take: NFL teams can't win Super Bowls with defense-minded head coaches because offensive coordinators keep getting poached regularly, and consistency is lost. Now I like this because it, it's gonna it's gonna allow us to take a to go down a few different kind of interesting venues, interesting paths to 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 come to a conclusion. Um, and I will say I don't think it's impossible. I think there's certainly like glaring glaring exceptions. Right here's Bill Belichick, a defensive minded head coach uh, who has won six Super Bowls, if I'm not mistaken, one fewer than Tom Brady, but six Super Bowls. Um, Pete Carroll, very good coach in Seattle, won a Super Bowl not too long ago, should have won a second one. Um, so there's been defensive coaches, certainly defensive-minded head coaches, who have certainly you know, certainly won Super Bowls in recent years. That said, I think there's something to the continuity thing, because I think the way the NFL is going right now, teams often do look for the hot, young, offensive-minded coordinator to fill those head coaching vacancies. Now, it hasn't necessarily meant, you know, tons of Super Bowls in those cases because, you know, the winners of the last couple Super Bowls were offensive-minded coaches, mind you, Bruce Arians and Andy Reid, but those were not hot, young coordinators. Those were older, older coaches who, you know, have kind of made their made their living with offense but, but weren't, uh, you know, weren't in that same vein. Ultimately, I, I think this is, this feels like a Vikings question kind of buried within a larger question. I think he's I think he's getting to something there because here's the thing. The pretty much the two best, you know, two of the best Viking seasons under Mike Zimmer, who is a defensive-minded head coach, uh, were 2017-2019. Both of those seasons they went to the playoff, both those years they won a playoff game. 2017, they almost, you know, they were one game short of the Super Bowl. 2019, they lose to San Francisco in the division round. Each of those cases, they lose their offensive coordinator after the season. First time, it's Pat Shermer. 2017 gets hired to coach the Giants. 2019, Kevin Stefanski gets hired to coach the Browns. In both cases, the year after that is a little bit messier. You know, 2018, they hired John Filippo. He gets fired mid-year. They go 8-7-1. and one. And then, of course, 2020, last season, the offense was pretty good, but it took a while for them to get going. They kind of a lot of things contributed, but the one and five start, the offense certainly didn't help that. They finished seven and nine. So continuity is probably the bigger question. And when I when I circle back on Bill Belichick and Pete Carroll, both of them have had the luxury of long, long term offensive coordinators when they've been successful. Um Bill Belichick had Josh McDaniels for many, many years. Um, you know, two different stints actually. 
um, for for many years. Um, and the other on the other side, Pete Carroll had uh, Daryl Bevel from I think 2011 through 2017. So during their prime, you know, kind of build up and then winning the Super Bowl, then almost winning another Super Bowl, uh, they've been able to do that. And the Vikings have had, you know, like I said recently, a problem with keeping their coordinators. And, you know, they've, they've had momentum derailed before. You know, think about Brian Billick, 1998. You know, after their amazing offensive season, 15-1, he goes to the Ravens. Offense wasn't the same in 1999. Think about Scott Linehan in uh, 2004 when Dante Culpepper is, you know, setting records as a quarterback for, you know, running, throwing. He leaves for the Miami job, and next thing you know, Culpepper is a mess. 2005 falls apart. Culpepper gets hurt. And that's the end of that. So it has happened in the past where the Vikings have lost promising offensive minds and lost that continuity. And I think part of what they're going for now is trying to maintain some of that continuity by hiring Clint Kubiak as their offensive coordinator. I don't know how well that's going to work, but at the very least they are attempting to maintain some semblance of that continuity by hiring Gary Kubiak's son uh, and the quarter and elevating the quarterback coach to have some of that continuity that they have lacked and maybe just maybe get to where they want to go. I want to leave you with the cooler as I always do really quick today. If you missed it in Sunday's paper, you can still go back and read that print product or find it on startribune.com. Really smart story by Rachel Blount on the national anthem at sports games, particularly how that has evolved in college sports. There was kind of a dust up in the pro world last uh, last week with the Dallas Mavericks and the NBA um, but this story kind of took us into a different direction with with you know how 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 the national anthem has evolved in college sports really smart read I'd love it if you would go back and check that out and check out all of our work on Star Tribune and StarTribune.com and of course please subscribe write a review follow this podcast and thanks again for listening to Strip Sports Daily Delivery 